values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, been a rough week on Wall Street. I've uh, been following a couple of things uh, and not sure why it's happening. I am not an expert in the stock market, but today it's down another 316 points. It's down over 1,500 points in the fi- in a five-day period. Over the last month, it's down over 3,500 points. And over the last year, it has fallen 5,900 points. We are sitting right now um, at just over 30,644. Um, and, it, you know, that's just, that is a rough, rough week on the stock market. But here is what I thought was very weird. Uh, the FedEx stock dropped 20 percent, 21.7 percent from uh, it dropped uh, below, dropped $160 a share. So um, I'm not giving advice. I'm certainly not going to try to. I'm just looking at some things and looking at how rough it is right now. And the knee jerk reaction by people is never a good thing. I, I believe that to be true. I look at the stock market and what it does over a period of time as an indicator. And if you look at a downward trend over the last year, there has been trending bad news over the last year. If you listen to the political noise that's going on, you're going to hear Republicans scream, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. And you're going to hear Democrats say, listen, everybody's working. Everything's fine. Gas prices are going down. Everything's great. If you want a real indicator of what's happening, you look to the people that have absolutely no political leanings. They are going to make money based on what's really happening. That's Wall Street. It is an unfiltered, it is an honest, nonpartisan look at the economy. And we are seeing a significant fall off over the last uh, one year. As a matter of fact, it's dropped uh, 16% over the last year as of today. 16%. So that's a significant drop. The good news for people that are going to jump in is you're going to see it climb out because it does climb out well relatively quickly when the time is right. But why is this happening? Interest rates may be going up again. We're hearing about the Fed saying they are going to raise interest rates. It may be the largest increase in 40 years. Uh, the World Bank is now talking about how this is going to affect a worldwide recession is being predicted for next year. The FedEx CEO saying that. I don't think his words had anything to do with that, but uh, with the fall in their stock. But this is uh, what's tough about this is with the, the bright, there have been two bright spots recently in the economy. Um, over 90 days straight of drops in gas prices nationally has been a good thing for the country. Not diesel fuel, that's rough, but the other fuel so gasoline, um, that's a good bright spot. And the other bright spot is people are working. Employment remains or unemployment remains really low. But the part of the unemployment numbers are also people that have given up and are not in the market. You know, the unemployment number is such a weird number because it only uh, includes unemployed people that are looking for work. So those that aren't, um, that, you know, just gave up aren't included in that number, so it's probably higher, but it's still a good, strong job market. A lot of the new jobs that are out there that people are taking are second jobs, or what they call side hustles for people. Um, that's a concern, because if companies begin to pull back, and you will see, as much as I've told you, and I know so very little, corporate barons, and we're talking about the people that have hundreds and thousands of employees, Realizing that if they lay people off, how horrible it's going to be, but giving people severance packages, but doing things for the long-term good of their company. When you see those things start to happen, when they either freeze hiring 
When you hear about corporations freezing hiring or laying people off, that's when the country is going to have to start worrying because all of those side jobs you're doing right now, all of those second side hustles become a primary living for other people. And if we go in that direction, it will be painful. And let's hope we don't. I I really I'm hoping that we don't. I'm just looking at the reality of where we are. The areas of the country. I talked about this earlier, and it's about what works and what doesn't for me. Um, You look at the parts of the country that are in danger of a housing downturn. You're looking at places, uh, counties around New York. You're looking at counties around Chicago, Illinois, all across California. What do they all have in common? It isn't just Democrat. It isn't that. It's the policies of taxation. How much money are you taking out? And you call them wealthy people. I I talked about this. I've done this many times before. If you want to have your eyes opened to political ideology, and I want to give you the disclaimer. I mean this sincerely. I am not calling Democrats in America communists. Okay? But if you read the Communist Manifesto, and I have. You read the Communist Manifesto. The premise of the book is pretty amazing. There's two groups of people. There are the bourgeoisie, the rich, and the proletariat, the poor. And it's the government's job to stand in the gap and make sure that the rich don't overwhelm and oppress the poor. Sound familiar? And there's a couple of things that happen in, in the book that are fascinating. And one of them is called the immiseration of the proletariat. And it's when... It literally saying that if they don't know how bad they have it, we're going to tell them how bad they have it. Fascinating, right? So if you know, and you go back to when uh, the tax cuts happened in the previous administration and businesses exploded, and then they gave their employees bonuses or pay raises. Sometimes it was a five hundred dollar bonus. Sometimes it was a thousand dollars broken up in five hundred increments twice a year. Um, people were rejoicing. Oh my gosh, I got a thousand dollar bonus from my boss. But Nancy Pelosi came out and called it table scraps and basically told the proletariat, you're getting bought off for a thousand bucks. Look how much money your boss made and you only got a thousand dollars. That's the immiseration of the proletariat. You think you have it good. You got bought off. You're crazy. It's horrible. It's the immiseration of the proletariat. The other phrase that came out of the out of this is the opiate for the masses, which is religion. If you can get people focused on eternity, if they are thinking about eternal life and not their short time here on earth, then they won't worry about how bad they have it. They're focused on the joy and the riches they have waiting for them and not the despair that they have here. They call religion the opiate for the masses. Which is why communist countries are dark countries and they don't believe in a creator at all. These are all principles in that, in, in that, uh, in that book or in whatever you want to call it, the, the um, Communist Manifesto. And the reason why I bring it up now is because if you look around this country at the places where they are living the dream, where it is we are going to take from the rich to make sure we care for the poor, you look at places like California, Chicago, Illinois, um, New York City, they are in the most danger of foreclosures and bankruptcies and a housing downturn. Where are the places doing very, very well? Florida, Texas, Nevada, Arizona. Taxes with uh, states with zero income tax or very, very low state income tax. And if you want to call that an oversimplification, you can do that. But businesses are strong there. 
housing markets are remaining strong. There's been a softening. There's no doubt that there's a softening, a slowdown. But no one is predicting disaster in the Phoenix area. No one's predicting a disaster or a downturn in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the Miami, in southwest Florida, Fort Myers, Naples, where I grew up. No one's predicting massive downturns. But they're saying it's possible in all of these other places. We should be looking at what works and what doesn't. That's all I'm saying by this. What works and what doesn't. Coming up for the final time this week, we catch you up on the headlines. It's something we call Did You Hear This? We'll do it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, time to get you caught up on the headlines for the last time this week. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. As 1.8 million migrant apprehensions have occurred since last October at the border, President Biden says there is still a plan in place. We have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. Republican officials should not interfere with that process by waging a politi- these political stunts. What is the plan? Are you asking me? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what the plan is. And I'm sad to say this. I don't think they do either. Uh, the three things that the president said there was that this was going to be safe, orderly, and humane. I don't know what order he said those three things in, but those were the three words he used. From anything you know about the southern border of the United States and anything that's happening with it, do any of those three words fit? So they're saying they're going to do this. Does that mean they've now come up with a new plan because this one isn't working? They say they have a process in place. He said it. The press secretary said it. But none of us have seen it. That's the problem. Judge Aileen Cannon has appointed a special master to go over the documents taken from Mar-a-Lago. The judge wants a third party, in this case a special master, to help determine what's classified and what's not, and what the former president may be allowed to claim as privileged. The deadline for the special master's findings is November 30th. What do you think the findings report will say? I'll be honest. I really have no idea what this special master is going to say. Uh, You know, it's going to go one of two ways. Either it is going, I don't know, I guess it could be somewhere in the middle. But it's either going to say that the president of the United States legally can't be charged because he has the right to declassify any document he wants. So charging him with a crime would be very, very difficult to do. But he did have documents that were very, uh, they were highly classified documents that he shouldn't have had where he had them. They should have been in a secure location. So that was something he should not have done. That's one way it can go. The other way it could go is the special master could say, although the president had documents that the archives wanted and probably deserved to have back, there was no need for the FBI to raid his house. They could have done it in a different way, that this was more political theater than anything else. But and that, Or somewhere in the middle. That's what we're looking at. I just want a, a view from someone that's impartial that most people in the country will believe. Then let's deal with whatever that is, either it's punishment or it's court of public opinion or it all goes away, and let's move on to 2024. At least let's start heading in that direction. 
You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to get you caught up. Mortgage rates are above 6% for the first time since 2008, making it harder to buy a house. Many potential home buyers are getting pushed out of the market because higher rates can mean hundreds of dollars or more in monthly mortgage payments. Are you worried about the hike in mortgage rates? Yeah, it's concerning. It's going to be concerning, especially for people trying to enter the market. One of the good news things that were happening with the softening of a housing market here in the Phoenix area is that there were people that were going to be able to enter the housing market now that prices have softened a little bit. Um, there wasn't going to be a crash. I still don't believe there's going to be a crash here. There's too much of a demand. But now with interest rates going up, it increases the payments and people still now are not able to enter the market. And yeah, so it's very concerning. We need to do something to help keep the housing prices down if we can. But uh, they're trying to soften this economy by, by raising rates and it's going to affect mortgages sooner or later. After the Arizona Cardinals' 44-21 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs last week, head coach Cliff Kingsbury had this to say about the overall play during the game. I uh, just didn't sense a sense of urgency and got outcoached, got outplayed in all phases. And so uh, it's a prideful group, and, and we'll be better next week. How will the Cardinals respond this week against Las Vegas Raiders? I don't even want to think about it. Um, I think it's going to be a rough week. They're having a rough time. They've got some injuries at the wide receiver position. They've got DeAndre Hopkins is still out. The good news is it looks as if J.J. Watt will be back on the defense. Um, thank goodness for voices like that inside the locker room. I'm talking about J.J. Watt. Um, they are struggling with a sense of urgency. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs look ready to play. That game that was played last night, I'll tell you, the I think the fans in the stadium are a reflection of the team. The Cardinals stadium for years was, if not the loudest, the second loudest stadium in all of the NFL. They talk about the 12th man in Seattle and what that crowd does to opposing teams. That's what the Cardinals used to be like, their fan base. When you go to a game now, many times it's a 50-50 crowd for the other team, maybe sometimes even more. Crowd fans are more, or our Cardinal fans are more nervous about the team than they are excited. That crowd last night in Kansas City and how they were even when that team was down by 10 points, that's what you want in a fan base. And they've lost it with Cardinal fans. And unless they get a sense of urgency on the field, there's not going to be a sense of urgency in the stands. And the Cardinals are in for a long run and a long season, and it's sad to see. Yeah, it's tough. I'm a Cardinals season ticket holder. I am a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. I think we've got some great pieces. I love going to the games. I've talked about the experience inside the stadium. But, man, I've got to tell you, over the last few seasons, I've watched it go from a place where they call it the Red Sea, where it's filled with Cardinal fans that are passionate and crazy, even when they're not winning a game, even when they're behind. This is a crowd that feels like they are influencing the game, and that is not what they have at the stadium anymore. And it's a shame because it's a great place to watch a game. And I want to see that return. Um, and uh, watching the game last night, the Kansas City Chiefs, that crowd in KC was absolutely beside themselves. And it was a comeback win that I don't know they make. They they get that win if they weren't at home. It was pretty incredible to see. Uh, coming up in just a moment, we've got to get back to the topic of Martha's Vineyard and illegal immigration and what we're doing with people because the California governor wants kidnapping charges against the governors of Florida, of Texas, and Arizona. We'll talk about it next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks.
thanks so much for being here. The ongoing conversation about immigration in this country, it's always been a big story here in the southwestern United States across Texas because we are the places that are dealing with it on the front lines. It has reared its ugly head in the last couple of years because the policies of this administration have made it the way that it is. I bear no ill will toward migrants, not at all. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. I am a pro-immigration person. I also look at the people that are coming here, and I don't agree that they should be coming the way they are, but I also understand the plight of people in a desperate situation. I just see it differently. I see it in a, in a whole different view, having been to the border and seen things, talking to ranchers, taking what's happening to them. So for all of you out there that are saying, but what about these poor people that have such a horrible time in the place that they live? And so they're just trying to get a better life for their families. Then I would say, if you want me to focus on them, which I have more ways than you know, I'm going to say to you, well, what about the ranchers that are sending their children and their wives to other safer places because they're land isn't safe. When they're hiring employees, full-time employees whose job it is to clean up trash and mend fences on their property, saying that they've been riding their property, their ranch land, with their children and come across bodies. And their children, young children, should not be traumatized by viewing bodies on their property. What do you say to those people? So we're going to play that game forever. Who's got it worse? Understand? Is that what we're going to do? And for me, I look at the overall uh, actions here. Um, And what happened in Martha's Vineyard is 50, 50 people in comparison to what we see here. How in the world do, do they complain about 50 people and how overwhelmed they are? I mean, I'm talking about a moral explosion in both directions in Martha's Vineyard over 50 people. That's an amazing – I think that is an amazing out-of-touch place to be. You have absolutely no clue what's going on in Del Rio, Texas, Yuma, Arizona. You have no clue. Um, Here's speaking of which. In a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, Gavin Newsom asked whether actions by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, sending illegal immigrants from their respective states to destinations in New York, Washington, or Martha's Vineyard were illegal. He wants kidnapping charges. This is, again... This is politics in America. I don't like it. I disagree with it. Let's arrest them. You don't have to like Governor DeSantis. You don't have to like Governor Ducey or Governor Abbott. Just like I don't have to like Lori Lightfoot. That means we should lock her up? Is it treasonous to give safe harbor to a criminal in your city? I'll give you an example on the other side of this. The city of San Francisco refused, refused to um, hold on to people and extended holds until federal agents could get to them when these were criminals, people that had criminal charges against them, sometimes violent charges against them, and they were being released locally because of local laws on not holding people on immigration holds. They refused to turn those people over to federal authorities or at least hold them until federal authorities could get there. They turned these uh, accused criminals, sometimes violent criminals, onto the streets. Is that treasonous? Should they be arrested because their policies conflict with what I think is the right thing to do? This is American politics. This is the overreaction that we see constantly with this. What is happening? And I want to read something for, to you. This is from the Archdiocese of Miami. 
Our broken immigration system is a problem, but immigrants themselves are not problems. Immigrants are good for America, and America has been good for them. While reasonable people may disagree on how our nation should respond, any effective response demands that we recognize that immigration is more than a border security issue, but is essentially about our labor markets and the men and women who fill the jobs that continue to make America strong. Immigration is not just a political issue, but a fundamental human and moral issue. For the immigrants are not um, are not faceless numbers, but human persons. There are other brothers and sisters. They are our brothers and sisters. Justice and prudence demand that we treat them with dignity and find a reasonable way for their contributions and presence to be recognized within the law. This is from the most reverend Thomas Wensky, Archbishop of Miami. Um, I read that because the mistake that's being made there, with all due respect, I was raised Catholic, questioning the Catholic Church, never a good thing. But the, my problem with what's happened, um, migrants, there is a difference, and this is my problem. Are there good people crossing our border illegally that want a better life and are willing to work hard and do whatever is asked of them? Absolutely there are. Mixed in with them, are there people that are not that? Absolutely there are. But in the end, breaking American laws does not make you a migrant. It makes you an illegal migrant. There is a designation. If I walk into a grocery store and I am buying groceries and you walk into a grocery store and you are stealing, are we both customers? No, I'm a customer. You're a shoplifter. There's a difference. Now, there's a difference between someone that's shoplifting food to feed their drug habit and someone that's shoplifting food to feed their family. They're still a shoplifter. I'm still a customer. And we've lost sight of we have to enforce our laws. Can we enforce our laws in ways that are uh, humane? Absolutely. I don't want to demoralize anyone. I think immigration is one of the most important parts of who we are as a nation. I feel for the families. Listen, the dreamers. I feel for the dreamers. I honestly do. These were children that were caught in a system that's broken through no fault of their own, but it is the fault of their parents. That's the other part of it. It is the fault of their parents. You cannot take blame away. And when they were in desperate, I get that. I understand all of that. But what about the families that did it the legal way? We can sit down and have a discussion about humanity and be Americans about it without compromising the principles of the American people. And part of our principles are law-abiding citizens or law-abiding people. And the other part of it is kindness and benevolence and mercy and um, refuge. It's all of those things. The Catholic Church should say exactly what they're saying. They don't see politics. They don't see borders. They see human beings and souls. Just like every other religious organization is supposed to. But this right now, you cannot lump everybody in across the border as a horrible person. I never have and I never will. 
But it's also not fair to make every person crossing the border a desperate person that is a refugee that has no other option, and this is the only option they have. That's not a fair assessment either. Well over 50 percent, somewhere between 60 and 90 percent is the estimate, actually 70 and 90 percent is the estimate of people that come into this country and apply for asylum, have their claims eventually denied. And so these extreme comments about either they're human beings and they deserve everything or they're criminals and they deserve nothing. If you don't have any kind of nuance in your heart, I don't know what's wrong with you. But this is not the way to handle this problem. And we, well, because we're not handling it. We are not handling this problem. I got a few minutes left before we close out the week. So I hope you'll stick around just for a few more minutes. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Let's groove. Happy weekend. It's Friday. Um, I am in a Friday mood. Thanks for being here. Thanks for spending some of your time with me. I want to finish my thoughts on immigration here for just a moment because I don't want people to think I'm heartless. I absolutely am not, but I'm also a realist. But, uh, you know, I was having too much of a good day, so Julia, the producer of the show, decided she'd ruin it by handing me this story. Um, She's, you know, uh, takes great pleasure. Now, this is a Dutch city called Harlem. It's not Harlem in New York. It's a Dutch city in Harlem. Is the first city in the world that will ban advertisements for some meat in public. I want you to think about what we do in America. Meat, it's what's for dinner. In the Dutch city of Harlem, not New York, the Dutch city of Harlem, they are going to say advertising meat in public places will be illegal. Uh, just God bless America. It just makes me more patriotic. I want to stand up right now and uh, salute all of us out there, the, the carnivores among us, one of which I am. I just don't get it. I really, I don't understand. Um, I know there are out there people, vegetarians and vegans, that are going to tell me how much better the lifestyle is and, and, and how much better it is for you. And maybe that's true. But you know it's no fun to eat. You know it's no good. It's, I'll give you. I'll, let me let me explain before you get angry and tell me how delicious vegan vegan meals are. If your vegan food is so good, why do you make it taste like meat? Why do we have the Impossible Burger? If vegetarian food is so good, keep it tasting like vegetables. Why did you make it taste like meat? That's just my defense. That's all. So, you know. And by technically, I'm a vegetarian because my food eats your food. That's the way it works. They eat grass. I eat them. So really, I'm kind of a vegetarian. All right, enough of that. Um, I want to finish up just quickly on the immigration thing. Um, I have seen immigration at its worst. I've been in McAllen, Texas, when it was unaccompanied minors by the tens of thousands. I have seen children bawling their eyes out, sitting alone on a cot, not knowing what was going to happen to them next. I'm talking about children under the age of 10. Um, I've heard the stories. I've listened to people tell their firsthand accounts of what's going on with immigration. And I respect in, uh, the plight of people that are clamoring for a better life. I truly think that we should remain a, a, a nation of immigrants. But you cannot take the benevolence of the American people and the desire 
desire for immigrants into our country and twist it into saying what's happening at our southern border right now is an example of that. It is not. What is happening at our southern border right now are people that are being duped from all over the world into believing that it's going to be an easy and legal pathway into the U.S., that the U.S. government is inviting them in and they can stay here. Now, ultimately, that's what's happening to a certain degree, but it's temporary. So you're going to have people that are waiting three, four years sometimes more for an asylum hearing in that time what's going to happen with them they're going to find a job they're going to find a partner they're going to fall in love they may have a child now we can't separate that family except what do our laws say now if you enforce the law look no further than the dreamers If you want the biggest example of the disaster that our immigration system has been for a long time, look no further than DACA. Those kids are Americans. I believe that. They were brought here. They didn't come here on their own. They were either sent or brought here as children. They don't remember the country they came from. This is their home. They're American kids. But by law... They're not American kids. We, and in my heart, I will tell you, how do we give them the exact same rights we give naturalized citizens that have done it the right way? That's not the right thing to do either. So it's put us in a moral and legal quandary. Our policies have done that. So instead of stopping that from ever happening again and dealing with the group of people called the Dreamers as, um, as I guess you would say, morally good as we can... We're creating the next generation by what's happening at the border now. How do you how do you justify that in your mind? How do you say that's okay? It certainly isn't okay. I would say it's a horrible thing to do. That's what I would say. And it's not it's not going away. I don't believe it's going away anytime soon. All right, it's the weekend. If you want to keep up over the weekend, I am at Broomhead KTAR on Twitter. That's my personal account. Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram, is my personal account. Stay in touch. I'd love to trade pictures and jokes and memes over the weekend. We'll be back Monday morning beginning at about 8 a.m. So until then, I hope you have a great weekend plan. Take care of yourself. God bless.